Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you. We don't say that often enough, Father. Thank you for the blessings of this life, of this community, of these fellow wanderers on the way. Thank you. Open our hearts, our ears, our eyes to your word and how we might live as your disciples faithfully in this world. As we pray in the name of Christ, amen. I don't know how many of you have ever done this, but occasionally I will call my local pharmacy um, to order a prescription um, and they'll say, we got it, gonna fill your prescription, be here in an hour and you get there to the pharmacy. Have you ever done this? You get there to the pharmacy and you go to the the counter and you say, "Uh, my name is Jonathan Smith and I'm here to pick up my prescription and they say, we don't know who you are and no one called a prescription in for you. You ever have that experience? Right? They say that and they go, but wait, but wait, if you'll stay here in the store um, in 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, uh, we'll have your prescription filled and you can come pick it up. And I, you know, I live way out, 15 minutes outside of town and I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I, I can't go home and come back. That's too long of a trip, waste too much gas. I don't have any other errands to run. And so what do, what do I do? I stay in the store. Do you ever do that? Do you ever stay in the store to get a prescription filled? Um, pharmacies are wonderful places. You can find all kinds of things in the pharmacy. Um, there's, of course, the medicine section, right? There's all of these medications. There's cold remedies and sinus remedies. And if you've got crazy things happening with your foot, they've got a whole section for that. Um, if you go around the corner from there, there's toys. And so I use the toy section to keep up on um, what Addie's into um, and, and what she might want for her next birthday or, or the next uh, change of season. And so I try and keep abreast of what's happening in the toy section. Uh, A little bit further from there, there's this deodorant section. Have you been into the pharmacy to deodorant section? There are options, people. There are options, right? You can smell like whatever you want. There's incredible options. So beyond that, there's like a makeup section. I don't know what to do with that. And so I skip that section altogether. Um, But if you come back to the middle of the store, and this is true in just about every pharmacy I've ever been, if you come into the middle of the store, there's the seasonal aisle. You know what I'm talking about? The seasonal aisle? Um, Well, you get to the seasonal aisle and they're putting out all kinds of stuff for the upcoming season, right? Um, Starting in October, they'll have the Christmas stuff out. um, And then uh, by December, Valentine's will be out. And by Valentine's, Valentine's Day, um, Easter stuff will be out, right? And and so you can go ahead and fill up on all the candy or whatever it is for the next upcoming season. Well, I went down the aisle thinking it's Easter time. There's probably still some Easter stuff out. I get there. There's not a single Easter item to be found on the seasonal aisle. All that's out are summer pool toys and lots of stuff for the upcoming uh, Memorial Day celebration, right? Labor Day. I forget which one's in the fall in the spring. Memorial? Yeah, thank you for helping. Straighten me out. But there's all sorts of red, white, and blue stuff on the aisle, and that's wonderful, because I'm ready for the 4th of July, too. Well, I kept venturing on, and the next aisle over from the seasonal aisle is the candy aisle, um, which I always like to venture down, because I never buy anything on that aisle, but I like to see what's on the aisle. So I make the turn around the corner, and as I make that turn, I look to the right, 
And it's the saddest thing you've ever seen. It says 75% marked down. Easter. Easter. 75% marked down. Do you know why it was so sad? There was no good Easter chocolate left. (laughs) There were no peeps. There were no robin's eggs. There were no mini robin's eggs. All there were were sad looking jelly beans. And the occasional, occasional package of that green grass stuff that goes all over your house. I am so thankful that the church celebrates Easter for 50 days. That this is not a one-time event that we celebrate once a year Easter and then it sort of flies by. The church celebrates Easter for 50 whole days. We celebrate Easter, the resurrection, for 50 whole days. And every Sunday after that, we celebrate the resurrection. Do you know why we do that? Because if we're not careful, Easter can just pass us right by. I mean, Easter, it just seems to have flown by this year, right? I mean, we've had 40 plus days of buildup and preparation and self-discipline and prayer and readying through Lent, and then it's over. By two o'clock after worship two weeks ago, most of us were sleeping off all the ham, turkey, and casserole that we had gorged ourselves with, right? And we're left wondering what in the world happened to Easter? Life keeps on going, doesn't it? Easter came and went and our world barely even knew it aside from some plastic eggs, that green fake grass stuff and bad candy. I mean, could you, you could miss Easter if you weren't even paying attention. Don't get me wrong, I'm not just talking about our culture missing out on Easter. I'm talking about us, you and I. We could miss out on Easter if we're not careful. Not just going to an Easter service. See, I'm not concerned with whether or not you attended an Easter Sunday service. My main concern is that you had an experience of the resurrected Christ in your life. The truth is you don't have to be out of church on Easter Sunday to miss Easter. Maybe you were in a worship service and you saw the joy all around you, but you didn't sense any joy within you. Maybe you, you heard the songs reverberate in this space, in this room, but they didn't find any resonance in your heart. Maybe you listened to the reading of the resurrection story only to fail to find its meaning for your life. It's easy, friends. It's easy to miss Easter. It's easy to miss the celebration of the resurrection. That's where we find the two men we're going to be talking about this morning. Two men you've already heard a little bit about. They've missed Easter. Cleopas and his friend have missed Easter. They were in Jerusalem. They experienced Good Friday. They were with the disciples earlier in the morning when the women got the report, but they missed Easter. They know that Peter and John went and saw the empty tomb, but somehow the two of them managed to miss Easter. So there they are on the road heading to Emmaus when they're joined by a stranger. I've always found it interesting in in the gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection and how people don't immediately recognize who Jesus is when Jesus comes into their presence. They seem to be oblivious, uh, these two men walking down the road to who the man is that begins to walk with them. 
But the truth is, grief does that. In John's gospel, when Mary is crying at the tomb, she doesn't recognize Jesus until he speaks her name. Her grief over his death blinded her to Jesus' presence. And I think the same thing is happening here. Grief and the experiences and events of the past week have blinded these two disciples to Jesus' presence. I don't know about you, but that's happened to me before. I've gotten to the place where I don't seem to experience or sense God's presence around me. You know, often we don't get there intentionally, but life just seems to have a way of putting us there sometimes, doesn't it? There are those moments in life, these journeys that we sometimes take that are trying, that are grief-filled, that are true struggles. And sometimes in the midst of those moments, in the midst of those journeys, it's hard to see and it's hard to feel God's presence. One of those times in my life was when my friend Katie passed away. She was 20 years old with her whole life ahead of her, a student at Barry College. She was working with kids during the summer at Etworth-by-the-Sea as, as a camp counselor, teaching them about Jesus and modeling Jesus' life and love for these children. And her passing, it just crushed me. I had all kinds of questions. I asked, how could God be there in that moment? How could God be near me or anyone for that matter? And those questions, they lingered for a long time. It was a long road that I was walking down. But years later, I can see that even though I was blind to God's work in my life during that time, that God was, in fact, there all along, walking with me, journeying with me, comforting me, giving me hope through the pain. And here in our text, Jesus, when he appears, he appears to a couple of people who have given up looking for him who because of what they've seen and experienced have given up hope and yet Jesus journeys with them. Jesus walks with them as they grieve and as they express their shock to one another and even to him. Jesus stands by them. And when the time is right, he speaks. He speaks words of scripture. He speaks words of prophecy and words of hope so powerful that these two travelers will, will later think to themselves, didn't our hearts burn? Didn't our hearts burn within us? As he opened the scriptures to us, as he traveled with us down that road. These two disciples though, they must have been around Jesus for a good little while because they do even in their grief, even in their heartache, even in their pain, just what Jesus does, perhaps just what Jesus did for them. In their grief, in their heartache, in their pain, in their struggle, these two disciples welcome a stranger in. They welcome a stranger into their presence and then they invite him to stay. Open up your Bibles to Luke 24, 28. Take a look at this. We're just going to dwell in, in these uh, next six or so verses just, just for a couple of minutes, okay? Luke 24, 28. 24, 28. You can look on your phone or um, in, front of your, in front of you in the pew Bibles. 
Luke 24, 28. It says there that as they came near the village to, where, to which they were going, that's Emmaus, he, the stranger, walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he, the stranger, went in to stay with them. Don't you find it interesting? Keep your finger there in the passage. Don't you find it interesting? that there's no pomp or circumstance about this invitation. There's not like fireworks. There's no celebration that the stranger has come into their house. There's no fanfare. They just invite the stranger to come and, con- and continue the journey. You know, some people believe that letting Jesus into their heart and into their life um, is a moment that's usually accompanied by drama. Drama. Or perhaps fireworks. Some people believe that when you welcome Christ in your life, that, the, that heavens break open and light beams down. Do you, you know people with stories like this? I know a few. At the very least, there are lots of tears and weeping when they let Jesus into their heart or life. But we don't see that here, do we? These two disciples, they welcome Jesus as a fellow stranger on a journey. They asked Jesus to come home with them, to stay for a little while. They welcome the stranger and invite him to stay for a little while. And when they do that, this, this, this action that they surely had learned from Jesus and the disciples, when they do that, something miraculous happens, something unexpected happens, something out of the ordinary. Open your Bible back up to Luke 24, 30, that next verse, 24, 30. When he was at the table, when this stranger, that they had no idea whose identity it was, when that stranger, when he was at the table with them, he took bread. You've heard these words before. He took bread gave thanks, broke the bread, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Jesus was there all along, but these two disciples, they just couldn't recognize him until they welcomed him in as a stranger, until they invited him in, until they did what Jesus had taught them to do all along. You know, when I think about Main Street at Pittman Park, this renovated children's and youth area inside of our church, I can't help but think about what these two men, these two travelers, these two grief-stricken travelers on the road to Emmaus did. Because the goal of renovating our church and adding a new heating and cooling system and renovating and creating welcoming environments for our children and youth was to do just that, to welcome strangers and to invite them to stay. To welcome strangers and invite them to stay, not just because the room and the hallways look cool or the air is perfectly calibrated so that everyone's comfortable during worship. We didn't do renovations just so that we could be more comfortable. We did renovations so that we could do what these disciples do what Jesus taught them to do, to welcome strangers and to invite them in so that they can journey with us as we journey together with Christ so that Christ might be present in our fun 
and in our fellowship, and yes, even in the sharing of our food that we're going to do in just a few minutes. The beauty of the story of these two disciples on the road to Emmaus is that it shows us first that no matter what we're going through, no matter what journey you find yourself on today, whatever it is that you're struggling with, no matter where you are in life or in faith, Christ is journeying with you, waiting for that moment to set your heart on fire, waiting for you to invite him in, to welcome him as a stranger so that miraculous things, incredible things can happen. But that's not all that this text teaches us. This text teaches us that we're invited to welcome strangers and to invite them in, welcome them and invite them into this church. Welcome and invite them into your Sunday school class. Welcome and invite them into your life group. Welcome and invite them to become a part of the incredible things that are happening here at Pittman Park. And some of you are sitting in your pews and you're thinking, well, I haven't seen any incredible things here lately. Can I get an amen? Don't reveal yourselves. I'm going to invite you because Bill's not here to be late to church next week. To stay around that hallway, Main Street at the park, as the kids stream into Faith Factory and into the youth room for worship. I I want you to walk down that hallway and hear their voices as they sing and shout praise to God. I want you to hear them laughing. The whole goal of the renovation project was to do just that to welcome strangers and to invite them in so that young men and women, children, youth, adults, older adults can experience and share the life-changing love and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is revealed to those two disciples in the breaking of bread And Easter happens for them in that moment. And in that moment, they realize that Jesus isn't just a fairy tale or another story, that the stories are true, that he really is alive. So as we break bread together this morning, we have the opportunity to have the same experience, to experience the presence of Christ with us on the journey of faith this presence that strengthens us, that nourishes us, that brings us hope and peace and joy and the opportunity to experience life that truly is life. My prayer for, you, for us all this morning as we move toward Holy Communion is that we might be one church growing, working, and striving toward God's future for us together, that our hearts might burn within us as we not only share the blessings God has lavished upon us, but that we also might be a blessing and a beacon of hope for a world that's waiting to be welcomed and invited in to come along the journey. Amen.